0: Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon and be blessed. Easter is all about grace. The purpose of the death and the resurrection was so that we would be able to experience the grace of Jesus. And so we're going to begin talking for the next several weeks about what happened on Easter that God extended his grace for us. And so I want to share, um, if you'll go ahead and turn to John chapter 8, we'll get there. But I want to share with you uh, kind of the foundation, if you will, that we're going to build from each week. Hebrews chapter 12, the first part of verse 15 says this. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God I believe that God has called us at Whitechapel to be a refuge of grace. This is the verse, I believe, that is going to guide us in the years and decades ahead. See to it that no one fails to miss or obtain the grace of God. And so in John chapter 8, it's, a, as I said, a non-traditional Easter passage, um, but it is a very powerful passage. Here's this woman in John chapter 8, and I want you to, before we read it, just imagine all of the voices that are screaming and yelling. They're hurling the inserts at this woman who was actually caught in the act of a sin that demanded that she be killed on the spot. Jesus steps into the situation and extends to this woman an amazing measure of His grace. Jesus, who was God in the flesh, knew that He came not to take the law and enforce it upon His creation, but instead to take the law and fulfill the law, and thereby, because of the grace in the empty tomb, extend to us the grace that can only be found in His death and in His resurrection. So Jesus knew what was to happen uh, just a, a few, a short period of time down the road. He stood here with this woman in John chapter 8. They drug her to Jesus in the middle of sin. And this is how John records it. In John chapter 8, Jesus arrives and says to the woman, after he'd gone to the Mount of Olives, he appeared in the temple courts. Where all the people had gathered around him, and there he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in the middle of adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down And started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote into the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. This woman, whenever she was drugged to Jesus, had no exit. She was actually caught in the act. Jesus knew that he was going to go to the cross, though. And here they bring this woman who the law demanded that she be stoned. And yet there was no one to speak on her behalf. You don't have to raise your hand this morning. But have you ever felt like in life there's been no one to ever stand up for you and speak on your behalf? Have you ever felt maybe the way that Jesus did when they were dragging dragging him from trial to trial and he was put before ruler and put before ruler and no one was there to stand up and actually speak for Jesus in the same way that here in John chapter 8. No one was willing to speak for her. Here's the amazing thing that I find in this passage of Scripture. We would expect that Jesus would begin speaking for this woman, right? We would think the man who came to give his grace, to die on the cross so that each of us could be free from the law and free from sin, we would expect that Jesus would stand up for her. We would expect that Jesus would be the one to actually speak for her. We would expect that Jesus would be the one to step forward and say, I'll speak on her behalf. I will claim her as my own. But that's not what Jesus did. As we read this passage in John chapter 8, did you catch what Jesus actually did? Look at it with me, if you will, in verse 6. It says, They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. And this is what Jesus did at the end of verse 6. Listen, he didn't stand up for her. He didn't speak for her. He didn't step to her side. He didn't intervene on her behalf and said, this is what Jesus did at the end of verse 6. It says, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Nobody was there to speak for her. And Jesus, who we would expect, Didn't speak for her. Instead, he bent down and began to write with his finger in the dirt. What a time, if you're this woman. What a time for the one you want to speak on your behalf to begin playing in the dirt. He didn't say a word. He just knelt down and wrote on the dirt. Another translation says that Jesus stooped down. I want you to hear this this morning. The God who died on the cross for you loved you so much that He stooped down from heaven and put on flesh so that He could extend to you His grace. But then it didn't stop there. He stepped out of the tomb and stooped back into a life so that he could then finish the work that he came to do in conquering sin and in conquering the penalty of sin, which was death. Jesus, Max Licato says, is a God that is willing to stoop for you. And here we see the man that we want to speak for the woman is actually the one who's stooping and riding into the ground. Jesus is a God who's willing to stoop for you. He stooped down on the night that he was betrayed when he gathered his disciples together. and As he stooped, he washed his disciples' feet. In another passage of Scripture, there were a lot of kids around Jesus. And Jesus stooped down to welcome the kids to, to be his own. He stooped down to pull Peter out of the sea from drowning from a lack of faith. He stooped down to pray in the Garden of Eden. He stooped down at a Roman whipping post whenever they were beating him. He stooped down while he was carrying the cross for the burden of our sin. Grace is a God who is willing to leave royalty in heaven and stoop down because of our sins and then in verse 7 it says when they kept on questioning him not speaking for the woman just riding in the ground they kept on questioning him john says he straightened up and he said to them if any one of you is without sin let him be the first to throw a stone at her so i can imagine the woman probably thinking He's not speaking for me. He's just playing in the dirt. He's writing something in the dirt. John doesn't record that. We don't know what Jesus actually wrote. And I I can imagine this woman thinking, okay, he's going to stand up. He stands up after all of the questions. Everything was thrown at him. He stands up, and I can imagine her anticipation as she thinks, okay, now he's going to speak for me. Now he's going to say something on my behalf. Now he's going to intervene and actually be able to share something that is going to stop these insults and stop all of the accusations from coming at me. Here it is. Here it is. Now he's finally going to do something. But there was no preaching. There was no saving. There was no instruction in here. All Jesus did was stand up And said, if any of you was without sin, then you go ahead and you throw the first stone. And in verse 8, it says, again, he stooped down. He's standing there. He's teaching. He sits down. They bring in the woman. He stoops down. He writes in the dirt. He stands up and says, all right, if you don't have sin, then you be the one to throw the stone. And then he stoops down again. He's not even addressing the issue here. He's needing to do something to make sure that this woman has been taken care of according to the law. But he didn't come to make sure that he enforced the law. He came to extend to every one of us grace upon grace. And our job is to see to it that we make certain that no one misses and everyone obtains the grace of God. And then we get to verse 9. Verse nine, it says, so at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with a woman who was still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Where are your accusers? What a question. What a question for us. Where are your accusers? You see, whenever you experience the grace of Jesus that was extended to us through the cross, and then the celebration of hope that we would have for eternity that was in the empty tomb, whenever you experience that kind of grace, nobody can accuse you. Nobody can accuse you. No one can at all. And you know what? We keep having the same conversation with ourselves over and over. I think if we would be honest with ourselves this morning and we were to do an assessment of our past, some of us could be maybe not like this woman who was caught in an actual act of adultery, but we've been caught or we know of some things from our past that we just can't seem to get over and there is a hurdle that's standing there. I think we need to live out John 8:10 that came because of the power of the cross and we start saying to the enemy, "Where are my accusers?" There can be no one that accuses you whenever you have fully experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus did with his grace is he took our past and when the tomb was empty from him, he put it in the tomb and buried it and sealed it so that our past would no longer define us, but instead we would be defined by the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. This is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the Easter message, that we no longer have to bow at the accusations from the enemy. We no longer have to bow because of the accusations from our past. Instead, we, like Christ on the first resurrection morning, can stand and celebrate the victory that comes through the grace of Jesus Christ. This is what it is like to live in a community in a refuge of grace. We don't let our past define us. We don't let past sins come into the presence, come into our present because they are gone. They're buried. They don't exist any longer. And when we keep having this conversation with ourselves because of the past, I think God looks at us and He says, "What sin? I don't know about the sin that you're talking about." You can't be washed whiter than snow and still go get some of the black sin and try to put it on yourself. When you are washed whiter than snow, the scripture says, even then your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. And we cannot bring that into our our present. We have to learn how to silence the voice of the accuser. And Jesus has given us that pattern right here. Jesus told us how to silence the accuser, the one who came to give us grace. He didn't engage them. He didn't do battle with them. He stooped down and started to draw in the dirt, in the sand. I'm sure his words would have been powerful enough to silence them just with one word, but that's not what he did. He ignored the accusations and took on the woman head on. He had a conversation with her. He directly engaged her. Verse 9, it says, At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with a woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. And here's how we silence the voices of the enemy. Jesus said to the woman who was a sinner, she was caught in the very act and she was brought to the grace giver and stood in front of him. He didn't hurl accusations at her. He said, I have one thing for you to do. And that one thing you have to do so that you can experience the full measure of grace that I have for you, you have to go and leave your life of sin. Some of us, though, want to be able to straddle the fence and have it both ways. We want to hang on to some of the stuff that we like from the past and we want to try to have an arm with Jesus Christ. Jesus' message right here with a woman in John chapter 8 says, no, 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 no. That's not what I want you to do. If you want to overcome and live a life of grace, then you have to be willing to leave your life of sin and stop letting that sin come to where you are. Max Licato actually wrote it this way. He said, healing happens When the wound is exposed to the atmosphere of grace, there's lots of wounds that we carry. And more often than not, it's sin that causes those wounds. There's there's all kinds of different types of sin. And some of us have been wounded not by anything of our own, but because of actions from other people. You know, because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary and what he did in the empty tomb for us, He extended to us grace that allows all wounds from our past to be healed whenever they are exposed to him. So imagine here in John chapter 8, all of the wounds that this woman carried with her. Imagine all of the hurt. Imagine all of the heartache that she was carrying into this conversation with the giver of grace. What happened in this moment? What was it that changed this woman in this moment? All of the wounds and all of the sin from her past were exposed to the atmosphere of grace. And it was in that moment, not through a message that Jesus preached... Not through any of the accusations that she actually came to realize the wounds and the sin that she was carrying. Instead, she was exposed to the God of grace, the grace giver in life, Jesus Christ. And that is what changed her. I think sometimes for us the default are to put some band-aids on our wounds from the past. Maybe with a Band-Aid you need just a little bit of Neosporin on your wound, right? Because Neosporin says that helps heal and it helps erase the scar. Put a little Neosporin, slap a Band-Aid on it, you're going to be just fine. One of the things that I make sure we always have at our house is Neosporin. It gets out of date, I go buy Neosporin. Because I've bought into the commercial that Neosporin helps not only heal the wound, but it helps erase the scar. Well, that's in the physical. But what about in the inside where nobody can see? What about on the inside where nobody can put Neosporin for you? What about in the core of your soul when it's just you and God and you lay your head down on your pillow at night and nobody's talking, but yet those voices inside, those accusations from the past, that hurt, those wounds from the past, all of a sudden are welling up inside of you. What do you do in those moments? I'll tell you what you do in those moments. You run to the God of grace, the grace giver, and let him heal all of the wounds that nobody, not even Neosporin, can get to. You see, God is a God who desires for you to come to him so that he can not only erase the past, but then through giving, of you, the, giving you the grace, he can then heal all of the wounds and erase all of the scars. That's what he's doing to the woman here in John chapter 8. And he says to her eventually, where are your accusers? Where are they? Where are they gone? She says, not one is here. And Jesus says, go and leave your life of sin. Walk away from the past. Walk away from the darkness. Walk away from those things that's caused your scars, that's caused your wounds, and live a life of grace. White Chapel Church is a refuge of grace that this atmosphere that we live and operate in, as others are exposed to this atmosphere, I believe that this is where their wounds will be healed so they can then go live this life that Jesus is telling the woman here. Go and leave your life of sin and live in the atmosphere of grace. This is what Jesus wants to do in every single one of our lives. In John chapter 10, verse 10, my favorite verse in all of the Bible, Jesus says, I want to tell you two things. I want to tell you what I came to do, and I want to tell you what the enemy is actually doing. He said, is it, he said it is the thief that comes to do three things, to steal, to kill, and destroy. The past of this woman in John chapter 8 was stealing from her, it was killing her, and it was destroying her. Every one of us, bar none, have things from our past that the enemy wants to use to steal, to kill, and destroy us. But Jesus was saying in John chapter 10 to his disciples, I have come. So that I could go to the cross and then leave the consequences of sin, which was death, and be resurrected to live again and then ascend to the throne so that you can have life and have it to the full. He did not say I am come so that that he has come so that you could have a half full life. He did not say, I've come so that you could live a three-quarters full life. He said, I came so that you could live a life that is full and so full that it then overflows into those around you. Well, what is it? That is the grace of Jesus Christ that came on the cross and left the tomb to extend that to all of you. And that then here is what Jesus is offering to the woman in John chapter 8. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of Easter, and it is free, and it is here for you to heal the wounds from the past, but you must walk into the atmosphere of grace. It's free. It's been given already. It's been paid for you. All you have to do is actually receive that. We don't have to to fall prey to the guilt trips from the enemy from our past. We don't have to listen to the accusers from our past we don't have to allow anything from the past to be brought into the presence because grace draws a line and says, enemy, you can't cross that line because from this line over in my life, there is an atmosphere of grace. Today, you need to draw a line. I wonder, I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder if Jesus was just drawing a line in the sand. I wonder if he was saying to the enemy, come on, I dare you, cross that line right there. I dare you, step up to the line, come on, come on, come to the line and come up to this line because from this line over in this woman's life, this is the atmosphere of grace that's going to change her forever. I wonder if he was daring the enemy, come on, let's do it now. And then the enemy finally got up the courage to do it. They gather this mock trial for Jesus. They bring all of these accusations against Jesus. He was this, he was that. They go from shouting Hosanna one day to just a few days later, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The enemy finally thinks, this is it. I'm going to cross the line. I'm going to step over the line and I'm going to kill him. He'll be done and God will be dead and he'll be placed in a tomb. So the enemy did. The enemy steps up to that line, and he steps over the line and says he's dead. His body stopped breathing dead in the tomb. They sealed the tomb because I think the enemy was scared. (laughs) Because the enemy knew he had stepped over the line, and the enemy was going to do everything he could to stop Jesus from coming back to life. So they sealed the tomb and then went a step further and put guards around the stone to make certain that Jesus would never come back to life. But then his buried body began to breathe. And Jesus said from inside of the tomb, you've stepped over the line You, enemy, have stepped into an atmosphere of grace where you can no longer operate. And on this side, you have no dominion. On this side, you cannot operate. On this side, your accusations must stop. And so Jesus came back to life. His buried body, as we sang this morning, began to breathe. His heart began to beat. And blood flew all through His body again, resurrecting the God who came to extend and invite us into an atmosphere of grace. Jesus this morning wants to bring you from that line where the enemy is stealing and killing and destroying you across the line into an atmosphere of grace where the enemy can't step over anymore. He defeated the works of the enemy. The consequences of sin which the enemy brought in stealing, killing, and destroying us was death. And so Jesus conquered the consequence of death or conquered uh, the consequence of sin which was death so that the enemy could not come into an atmosphere of grace. Instead, he was banished and sealed into the pits of hell so that the enemy does not have the last word, but instead in your life, grace is the final authority. Jesus, for you this morning, invites you into an atmosphere of grace so that every voice, every voice in your life, is silenced. Even your voice, even your voice is silenced so that whenever you lay your head down on your pillow at night, and it's just you and God and everything is quiet, he keeps speaking his grace over you to silence the lies and the accusations from the enemy. To give you a clean record. He died on the cross. He arose from the grave so that your accusers have to disappear. This is the God who loves you. To bring you out of the shame. To bring you out of the darkness. To bring you out of the way that you are the way that you were, to bring you out of the junk, to bring you out of the lies, to bring you out of the muck and the mire of this world and let you live in an atmosphere of grace. Let me read a small passage from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 10. I just want you to listen to this this morning. Paul, writing to the church, said it this way. But because... Of Christ's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Paul says, you once were on that side of the line of grace. You were dead in your transgressions. You were lost in an environment where the enemy was stealing and killing and destroying you. But now, because of God's grace, we can experience His life and then have that life to the full. He goes on to say, And God raised us up with Christ "...and seated us with Him on the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressed in His kindness to Christ in us. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to to do good works, which God prepared in advance for every one of us. He says we were dead. We were on this side of the line. We weren't living in an atmosphere of grace. We were lost and undone where the enemy was stealing, killing, and destroying. But this morning, you can step over the line and begin living in an atmosphere of grace where therein your body and your life here on earth is able to be lived to the full because of the grace of Jesus Christ. You know, even the Chinese people understand this. If we were to look at the Chinese language, I don't have this slide. Um, I don't know what happened to it. But if we were to look at the Chinese language, there are two characters that actually are combined to describe the word righteousness. If you take these two characters in the Chinese language, both of them have to go together in order to get the word righteousness. Righteousness. The first character is the picture of a lamb. The second one is the image of a man or mankind. And so you put a lamb and you put flesh or mankind together, then you get righteousness. Even the Chinese language would say to us, to get the word righteousness, you have to have a lamb and he has to come in the flesh. Well, who was that? That was Jesus Christ when God stepped out of heaven and He wrapped Himself in flesh and said, I've never been here on this earth in flesh before, but here I am, 100% flesh and 100% God, so that I could draw a line in the sand to block the works of the enemy and then invite you into an atmosphere of grace, which is His righteousness that lives inside of every single one of us. Jesus wrote one sermon. One sermon is all Jesus wrote. It's right here in John chapter 8. He wrote it in the dirt and nobody thought to write it down. Nobody recorded Jesus' words or what it was that he was writing down. But I believe, I believe the enemy knew. I believe that Satan knew what God was doing in this moment. Because Jesus was paving the way for grace to take over in this woman's life and thereby grace to take over in every single one of our lives as well. We can leave the ugliness, the darkness, the desperation of our past, and stand and walk in the beauty of God's grace. And that is here for you this morning. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you. And that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week.